Friends, what follows is not for the faint of heart. We bring you tales of the paranormal, human wickedness, the curious, and the bizarre. Please, if you continue, proceed with caution and an open mind. We are the Queen City Creeps. Hello and welcome to Queen City Creeps, your new favorite podcast for all things true crime, paranormal, and generally just weird. I'm Sarah, and I'm here with Jennifer. Hello. Shelby. Hello. And Michael. Hey, guys. <laughs> and today we have uh, a very interesting story. So to jump in, I want to ask the question, what is the biggest, grandest gesture that either you've done or you've experienced of someone proclaiming their love to you? Or affection, or wanting to date, or something. I don't know how serious this has to be. A big gesture, grand gesture. Mm. So I was trying to think about this because you told me about this question a little bit ago, mm-hmm. and um, I feel like I don't have any like examples of someone doing that to me, which is kind of sad. That's really sad. It's a little sad, but um, the only thing that I could think of that I've done was with my current boyfriend. We've been together for a year. And um Is this part where we applaud? Sorry. Good I job, Alex. I'm gonna put up with I'm Jennifer. Just telling you guys a few months ago, probably a month or two ago, um he was having like a lot of trouble at work. He was really stressed out. A lot of people were like yelling at him for no reason. And he was really stressed out, so he wanted to like write down all of his thoughts to like kind of like so he doesn't internalize a lot of things, which he tends mm-hmm. to do. Um, and he's like kind of like a writer anyway, so he likes to do that. So one day when he was busy after work, <clears throat> I went out and um, got him like a notebook. And then on the front page, I wrote out 10 things I love about you. Um, just so whenever he opens up the book and he's stressed out, like he sees that first thing. So, and I didn't make a big spectacle out of it because I don't really like that kind of stuff. Like, I'd rather it just be like genuine. So, I just left it out for him in the morning um, in the bathroom so that he would see that first thing. So, and, there you go. And you writing the 10 things is probably a good reminder, you know, yeah. when you're being mean or exactly. sassy. Because, in one of, one of the questions or one of the things I put is that he's patient because he has <laughs> to be with me. Because nice. Jennifer is not. Because he, no, he was just a little not. late one time, and she gave him the what for on a, what is it, a two-hour drive back 45 home? 45 minutes late. And it's a four-and-a-half-hour drive. That's Thank ridiculous. Unacceptable. I'm with you, j exactly. I got your back. Thank you. Stockton? Um, probably, probably the, I don't know if, well, it's kind of, I once walked <laughs> Commit, man. three Commit. miles just do it. in the rain. <laughs> Uphill. No. Both ways. <laughs> On the side of the highway to meet up with this girl that I, I, I guess it was my girlfriend in like eighth grade, which really doesn't even matter back then. Um, but anyway, we walked to her house. Um, I hid in her laundry hamper when her mom came home because she was not supposed to have boys over. <laughs> Literally took the clothes out, climbed in the hamper, and then put the clothes back on top of me. That's amazing. I It concerns me that you as, like, an eighth grade boy were walking alongside of a highway for three miles. It was me you and my best abducted. friend. You could have been abducted. Me and my best friend. Where did your best friend hide? I think behind the shower curtain. Because she had her own bathroom. <laughs> oh, rookie mistake. Oh, jeez. I'm impressed well, by the hamper, though. I took the best though. hiding spot. 
Yeah, obviously. I was just like, I got to go somewhere where I can't be seen because her mom was not a very nice person. <laughs> I'm amazed that's the first thing that you thought about, like to hide in the hamper. I mean, like I would think like under the bed, like behind something or. We I don't, don't give Stockton a lot of credit, but yeah. he's actually like top notch sneaky. I guess. <laughs> you, you were in Mexico for a week without a hotel and no one noticed. That's I mean, true. I mean, I think they're catching on to me. I, I had to leave a day early. So I slept in the airport that night. I actually, I, sl- I probably slept an hour because I was so worried about my luggage getting stolen. I literally slept like holding it. Well, but I, I you know, that's a story for a different time. I'm just it saying is. that the sneakiness level still works because you, how long did you hide in the hamper? It was probably, like, I would say 30 minutes. Was it a week? No. <laughs> then the other story is impressive. That's true. No. Okay, so I have two. Uh, the big one that I did is um, birth a child with a head circumference in the 99th percentile. It's a shout out to Tyler. With no drugs. With no drugs. So that Which was dumb. Which is crazy. That was pretty dumb. But that was my that was my big grand gesture. It's like the best thing I've done for Tyler. You're welcome. <laughs> well, thanks. I can't top that now. Um, but... So, as a lot of people know, my husband and I dated on and off for quite a while before we decided to, you know, move in and settle down and everything. And at one point, I was dating a very nice boy um, in one of our off periods. And I was hanging out with a bunch of him and his friends. And my phone kept blowing up. And when I tell the story, I say it was like 12 times. It was excessive. When my husband tells the story, he was drunk on absinthe and it was maybe like three or four times. So, not that excessive. Um, but he and his friend on multiple voicemail messages left me, uh, the song Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden and Tyler was singing it and his friend Chase was playing the guitar and I just remember looking down and seeing my phone blow up and this was like a hot pink razor flip phone (laughs) and my boyfriend at the time was just like, who is calling you? What is going on? And it's like, I have no idea. So the next morning I get in my car and I like listen to my voicemails and I am dying like i'm mortified because he called and did this and also kind of concerned that he may not be alive because he sounded super (laughs) drunk (laughs) but also a little moved you know that he he had thought about that so in the end he won me over that was pretty cool i know and for all of our listeners born after 1998 we'll have to put a glossary of terms on this episode so they understand what savage garden and a razor are but <laughs> I, we can do a picture of a razor on the instagram and maybe link to the video because it is i was top gonna notch. say the razor phone was the like the best phone ever when it came it, out my, everybody had one. one they're so great and it was hot pink i had it forever and then i got like an iphone i think next I, so i just realized listening to the story though i'm like wow i feel really nostalgic for everything she's saying a lot of people aren't gonna know this no like people in their early 20s won't know Listen, what most of this was you people got us also savage garden is cool no, well, it's no, not. Was, no, no, it's not. Yeah. It never was <laughs> cool. That's not true. Next week on Queen City Creeps featuring guest Savage Garden. Yes. <laughs> no Call us. That's not, we, we might we'll be, actually out. be able to book them. Dude, what he's, it's he's not coming on now. Okay, Shelby. All right. So uh, so apparently I'm not what most would call a, a typical romantic because I had a lot of trouble with this one. I started thinking about what other people have done for me and the big gestures I could think of were stalkers. I'm like, (laughs) so that's a story for another time because there's several that I could have looped into this, but I'll do one that I did for somebody. Okay. And it was kind of for me too. This was a gift for me too. Um, I was, I was (laughs) dating. really nervous right now. (laughs) Good. (laughs) 
So I was dating this girl for a little while. It's been probably six months into our relationship. And uh, her dad wasn't a big fan of me, mostly because I didn't like have any money or family money or anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. And he would have liked to have seen her go to somebody of slightly better breeding, I assume. Um, better breeding. Oh. That was, that was kind of what I took away from it. Was anyway. she highfalutin? I, she really wasn't. Well, okay. In retrospect, <laughs> yes. But at the time, I didn't really think so. Um, she kept trying to, he kept trying to set her up with friends of his. I mean, not like his age. He had a lot of younger friends. I was like, that's disturbing. No, <laughs> it's, it's disturbing. A, I mean, one of the dudes was considerably older than she was, but at the same time, you know, what, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. He kept trying to set her up with his friends. So at one point, he was having a party at his house. A bunch of his friends were there. I was there. She was there. I don't remember who else was there, because, spoiler alert, I was drunk as shit. <laughs> so, and she had told me about this several times, where he, he had, you know, she'd name names, like, oh, he told me I should go out with this person or this person, and at a certain point, I'm like, you're just trying to piss me off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it worked. So, uh, I walked out, well, I walked outside to have a cigarette, and I came back in, and she was standing there talking to him and this dude that I knew that he had been trying to set her up with for like the past three months. Mm-hmm. Was he an old man? No, no, he was, he was close age to appropriate. Age. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, so in that moment I was just like, you know what? He doesn't know how drunk I actually am. I think I can pull this off. Oh God. <laughs> I walked up and put my tongue down his throat. Down the dad? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, what? Oh my God. What? And I had, him, I, I, I had him by the face. How is this I a mean, grand gesture? It was a grand gesture because when I backed up, I just looked at him and went, you're not my girlfriend. This is my girlfriend. And then I left. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't even know what to no, think right now. No, because now she has to consider the fact that her boyfriend has made out with her dad. That's something you sign on whenever you date me. Oh, That's That's no. just a, a fact Wait, that this may happen at some point. I was like, do, do you make out with most of your girlfriend's dads? <laughs> dad, dads are into me. I am down for a good hot dad. I think this is the only one that wasn't like, that was all right. <laughs> but I will say this. He never fucked with me again. Yeah, that's probably. I bet not. I wouldn't. No. Mm-hmm. Challenge shut down. Yeah. We were together for almost another year after that. And then, you know. <laughs> cool. Then then we weren't. And uh, I. Then you still... made out with somebody else's dad. No, I just. I had <laughs> good job, Shelby. What a segue into this story. <laughs> so once upon a time. There was a boy. His name was Carl Tanzler. He came from a very long, prestigious line in Germany. And he had these reoccurring dreams of his long-ago ancestor, Countess Anna Constiana von Kossel. Oh. I know. It's super fancy. It's really long, guys. Sorry. Um, And she came to him and repeatedly showed him the face of his one true love it was this beautiful dark-haired woman and he knew that that was going to be the woman that he married right so he remembered that his whole life fast forward a number of years past world war ii all this jazz nope not world war ii world World war one yep and he's already gotten married not to this dark-haired woman he just gave up he just well i mean he settled yeah he settled Um, Got married, had two children, immigrated to the U.S., um, lived in Florida, and he had some kind of weird adventures during the war. Like, he told a bunch of stories about, you know, 
fighting different people and helping with these secret missions, but none of this was ever corroborated. Um, He told a lot of people that he was a doctor, but there was no paperwork saying that he was a doctor. Back then, you could just kind of say, I'm a doctor, and people are like, that's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) What are you a doctor of? Uh, Things and stuff. Can you look at this thing on my back? Yeah, exactly. So, yep, that's infected, definitely. When he moved to Florida, um, he became a radiology technician at the U.S. Marine Hospital, and he mostly kept to himself. Uh, He worked at a lot of different jobs there and hung out with his sister and didn't really hang out with his family that much, you know, like you do as an old man in the 1920s, Um, until he met a beautiful young woman named... Maria Elena Milgrano de Hoyas. She was 21 years old. She was Cuban, and she came in for an examination, and he knew immediately that she was the woman from his dreams. Absolutely head over heels in love with her. Okay? So, unfortunately, old Elena had tuberculosis, and at the time, it was pretty much always fatal. So that's really sad. He diagnosed the tuberculosis, though. Well, she already knew that she had tuberculosis. Mm. Unfortunately, he's not really a doctor, even at that hospital. So he would say that she had tuberculosis, but she was actually diagnosed at the hospital with it. Gotcha. And came there seeking treatment. So So you just called her Elena. Was her name, is that what you went by? Because you said Maria first. Maria Elena. Yes, she went by Maria. Out of her 12 names, that was the second one. So I just want to make sure I knew that we were on the right track. Well, and I think like her mom's name was Maria too. Like it's definitely a family name. Ah. Yes, but she goes by Elena. And um, she had kind of a tragic backstory even before the tuberculosis. She was one of, I think, 11 kids, if I remember correctly. Yeah, she was one of a bunch of kids. Let's go ahead and say that. She had been married um, for a very short period of time. She suffered a miscarriage, and her husband left her. So she moved back in with her parents. So Elena was in a kind of sad, tragic place um, when she met old Carl. And he, I feel like, took a little bit of advantage of that. So, I mean, given that he's now passed off a fake medical degree and become a radiology tech, I can't imagine him lying to anybody and oh, no. trying to get trying Not to take ever. advantage. Yeah. So. so he was 100% sure that he'd found a soulmate, and he decided he was going to do whatever he could to save her life. So he spared no expense. So he set out to find a cure for Elena. After the hospital had said that there wasn't anything that she could do or that they could do for her, she stayed at home. She slowly wasted away like you do a tuberculosis, unfortunately. Um, and he made these specialty homemade tonics and medicines. He bought all of this crazy x-ray equipment and electrical equipment and would just kind of try everything. Like, she was definitely a guinea pig. Um, he's pretty crazy. It will find out even more later on. Uh, yeah. And all the while, like, buying Elena anything she could want, all new clothes, like, fed her family, paid off their bills, like, all this stuff. Um, his family was decently well off, so I think, you know, he had no issues doing that, and he probably was just working for fun at this point, but whatever. Well, was his family calling him on any of this? Like, hey, you just spent another five grand in x-ray <laughs> equipment this week. What's the deal? I mean, he was, it was him and his sister, and then his wife and his children, so he, at the time, he was the head of the family. Like, he could probably do pretty much whatever he wanted. 
I think you'd still question it just a little bit. Like, doesn't the hospital have this stuff? Couldn't you just go use it at the hospital? No, no. I, <laughs> no, no, no. This they is, don't have... This is home-use x-ray equipment. <laughs> <laughs> well, they never saw any of it because it was all at, you know, Elena's house. But, yeah, I could see what you mean that maybe they'd want to question it at some point. Right. But, so, despite his best efforts, Elena tragically died from complications from tuberculosis on October 25th of 1931. So he'd been in the U.S. for less than five years at this point. Um, And he insisted on paying for everything for her to be buried. Um, He hired a, you know, very special mortician to take care of the embalming process. He had a very expensive marble mausoleum, you know, designed and put together, um, all with approval from her family, who didn't have the money to pay for any of this. And... The only thing that he didn't clear with her family is the fact that there was, in fact, a person with a key to the mausoleum, and it wasn't anybody in her family. It was, in fact, good old Carl himself. Of course. I paid for this mausoleum. I'm taking the key. I I just want to hang out on the inside. (laughs) So, um, after two years, people started to notice that Tanzler was creeping in and out nightly of Elena's tomb. Every night he would go hang out in that tomb. Stalker. Talk about a stalker, Shelby. Yeah, exactly. It's more of a rumpus mausoleum. Ew. Ew. Mm. We don't know what he was doing in there. Maybe, maybe you put a foosball <laughs> table in there. What do you know? Oh, God. Again, he's the only one with the key. We don't know what went on. So people were just thinking he's still obsessed with this girl, which everyone at the hospital knew that he was obsessed with her. Her family was well aware of the fact that he was. So they're like, he's just a creepy old dude. And finally, because people were so concerned about, like, his mental stability at this point, he was fired from his job. And around that time, he actually stopped visiting Elena's grave entirely, which her family thought kind of odd, but, like, hoped that maybe he'd moved on to with his life. Right? To the next Cuban girl that he was obsessed with. <laughs> to the next tragically ill Cuban girl. <clears throat> Little did they know that he was far from satisfied with his nightly visits. Mm, the way you said that. <laughs> I know, so I, I said it that like way. Brody. Sorry. So... Carl believed that Elena would speak to him in these nightly visits and that she would tell him how much she hated it at the cemetery, which, you know, understandably, it would be lonely at the cemetery if you were there anymore. I'm just saying. And that she would regularly plead with him tearfully to take her home. They never lived together. She want to go to her parents' house? You want to know? Yeah. No? No, she doesn't. She wants to go to Carl's house. Of course. Of course. Of course that's what she told Carl. She told Carl. She's his soulmate, and she realized that in death. In right. death alone, because she did not want to date him. Why am I still? Yeah, she just wanted the free medical care. Also, when she died, she was still Gold married. <laughs> she was still married? She was still married. Her husband never divorced her. He just left her. Yeah, and Carl's oh. married, too. And Carl's married, too. So what, is, what does the wife think about this? Old well, life? so Carl moves out of his family house and buys, like, a small cottage. Yep. Kind of farther away from Elena's family. So does he divorce his nope, wife? Nope. Does not. Definitely not. So... He believed that she was crying out for help, and so sometime in April of 1933, he actually took her body and moved it into a house. Um, he put her decomposing corpse 
into a toy wagon and transferred it to a makeshift lab. <laughs> like a little, like a... Red, it's a Red Rider. Red Rider. Yeah. <laughs> I am so sorry I laughed at that, but that is amazing. Because all I can imagine is this guy like pulling to the town square. And her body is oh, just like... Blah, well, like blah. Arm hanging out. <laughs> yeah. No one's questioning the ground. this. I was sure it was under the cover of darkness. Like I'm Carl. What but are you doing, buddy? He's crazy Carl that visits his dead girlfriend in the cemetery. Right. Like, people just, are always doubting what he's doing. Right. Just take my wagon for a walk. Don't worry about the car. <laughs> have, have you seen Young Frankenstein? Ew. Yes. That is exactly the scene. Okay, Maybe anyway. Maybe it's pulled from real life. So, so Dead Girls in the Red Rider moving on. So, he transported it to his makeshift lab. Um, that he'd fashioned inside of an old airplane. He'd brought bought this what? airplane. Hold on. What? He'd bought this old airplane in hopes of being able to get it to fly eventually. He's just hanging out in his backyard. So he has a plane in his backyard. And, <laughs> and he's, a kid's he's wagon? doing a makeshift like, lab, lab yep. that in, she's staying in. 100%. In this cottage? Behind the cottage. Okay, so he bought this plane after he bought the cottage. Yeah. Oh. Or had it moved there? I couldn't remember like exactly the time. He's like, yeah, guys, could you just set it in the backyard? That'd be good. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> <laughs> right there's fine. That'd be good. Okay. So, using plaster of Paris, you know, paper mache, like you do, mm-hmm. uh, piano wire, mortician wax, and glass eyes, Carl brought Elena back to life. Nope. And proceeded to take her to into his home, where the pair shared a marital bed. Yep. A marital bed. For those of you unfamiliar with the term, that means he banged this corpse. (laughs) No. Hold on. (laughs) Wait for it. Wait for it. So over the years, years. Imagine how, like, bad she smelled. Like, she smelled so bad. (laughs) Paper mache pretty well locks that in. It's fine. God. So over the years, Carl kept Elena alive. Again, air quotes around alive. Using wire hangers. To preserve her frame. Right. Um, stuffing her abdominal cavity with rags. Routinely reapplying wax to her face. Replacing her scalp and, like, hair with real hair. Um, he was constantly dousing her in disinfectants and oils, all to mask, mask the rotting smell of her body. It's a really high-maintenance relationship. And he was sleeping in that bed next to her <laughs> every night. <laughs> yes. Ugh. God. Like, honey, did you fart again? No, that's just my flesh. I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm sorry, babe. You've been dead for four years. I forgot. So while attending to the physical needs of his moldering bride, Carl also attended to her material needs. Uh, he was constantly buying her new clothing, undergarments, perfume, and even installed a curtain cloth veil for privacy on the bed they shared. So like around the edges. I think... I don't know if it was for privacy or to like make sure people didn't see that he had a corpse in his or bed. It helped, That's probably it, it helped lock the smell in. Maybe, yeah. Ooh. There we go. Um, so this went on for seven years. Seven. Oh. <laughs> Stockton, you look really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I was really hungry, but now I'm not. Uh, good. <laughs> I feel like I just want to throw up. This really up. helped. <laughs> I got that salty taste in my mouth. 
<laughs> I'm just like, when you puke, by seven years, I don't really know how much there's left. Exactly. That's why I'm thinking, like, when he's changing her clothes and moving her about, like, I'm she just imagining, like, parts of her body just, like, falling, falling off. Yeah. I'd yeah. imagine it's mostly just a paper mache doll that he puts I'd, clothes on by yeah. with, with yes. a skeleton inside of it, like a Kinder egg. <laughs> <laughs> Except there's no joy in that Kinder no. egg. For Carl, yeah. there is. Oh, God. Okay. So everything was going great. The marriage was going really well. They got along awesomely. Um, but then people really started to wonder. Hold on, back up. You're telling me they didn't fight? Is that what you're driving at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's okay. very quiet. They, she's just a quiet, you know, reserved lady, and she just really just wants to keep Carl happy. Just hearing you say they got along awesomely, I'm like, now hold on just a second here. It, <laughs> that, that took a second to sink no. But then people started asking questions. Uh-huh. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what's Why? that wretched smell coming from your house, Carl? <laughs> Why? Why is Carl regularly buying women's clothing, women's undergarments? Why did he stop going to the mausoleum? And why, a local boy was wont to ask, was he dancing in his window with what appeared to be a giant fucking doll? Oh, no. <laughs> So how long did it take them to start asking questions about why Carl was buying ladies under things? Seven years. Really? I mean, they probably started before that, but I'm assuming the the giant doll really triggered it. I think this town's a little out of touch, if I'm being honest with you. That's that's too long to wait Are they before. still in Key West? Yeah. So it's a pretty big town, right? Even then? Not big enough for that. Okay, so Not this definitely roused some serious suspicion. And rumors began to swirl that Carl was keeping Elena in his house. Why your mind would immediately jump to the fact that he's keeping her dead body in the house, I don't know. But evidently, that's what people assumed. Right. He, he was, was weird enough. He was dancing with a body pillow. That's obviously that Cuban girl who went missing from the mausoleum. <laughs> but did that girl they, died seven years ago? Did, so, but did they figure out that her body wasn't in there? Because, I mean, he's got the only key. So They had no idea that her body wasn't in the mausoleum. Okay, so that came about... Probably about Later. this time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. In October of 1940, Elena's sister confronted Carl at his home. Uh, he allowed her inside, and uh, for whatever reason, she actually got to see what she thought was a wax dummy of her sister. And she thought that was weird enough, because what are you doing? Why? What is What is happening here? Um. So she alerted the authorities, and they seized the doll, only to discover upon autopsy that it was actually Elena's rotted corpse. No, don't take her. I love her. I love her so much. (laughs) That's my girl. Not only that, but while performing an autopsy on Elena's remains, the coroners discovered that among the multiple body parts that he'd completely reconstructed, multiple, he'd actually inserted a paper tube lined with cotton up inside her to serve as a makeshift vagina. Told you he was banging the corpse. Exactly. I mean, we all knew he was banging the corpse. Yes, but... we all knew. <laughs> I was wondering but... how it would work with paper mache, though, because I, I mean, like, a tube isn't great so, either. So, but... here's the thing. Two things. When this was released, it was the 1940s. People were scandalized enough as it was, and in the actual report, there wasn't anything about said paper tube, Right. But um, they went back, I think, in the 80s. There's actually an HBO episode called Autopsy that talks about this. And they kind of 
deconstructed everything that was going on with Elena and did like recognize what that tube was there for. And it was ingenious because the cotton inside of it was actually removable to, you know, keep things clean and tidy. <laughs> you okay, Stockton? <laughs> are you are just, you gonna be all right? Yeah, I'm fine. So you then, look kind of pale. Let's just get through the story. <laughs> let's suppose in the 1940s that they weren't sure what that tube was. I and, think and, they just looked over it. Like we got them on enough stuff. <laughs> like we're not gonna even. How is that where your mind first goes, though? <laughs> like it that. has to. So okay. So he was arrested, and he stood trial for wantonly and maliciously destroying a grave and removing a body without authorization. His mausoleum, his rules. Right? <laughs> so the uh, trial became a media sensation, and surprisingly, the majority of the public, especially women, supported Carl, finding him just to be an eccentric romantic. What? <laughs> yeah. No. Yes. The 40s were weird. 100%. Obviously, the 40s were weird. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So, while on the stand, Carl explained that he planned to use his airship, also known as the airplane, to take Elena. <laughs> his UFO machine. <laughs> um, and wait for this. This is this is a direct quote. High into the stratosphere so that the radiation from outer space could penetrate Elena's tissues and restore her to life. Oh. I don't want to make this joke, but... You know what? Never mind. Penetrating tissues. Moving on. <laughs> so that actually made about as much sense as anything else he said during the trial. So because the statute of limitations on his crimes had expired, he actually was released. He never served any time. I don't know what the statute of limitation is for banging a corpse, but evidently it's less you than seven years. With necrophilia. Or even no. just for hanging out with a corpse for that long. It's. I mean, you would think... It's a little weird. So what'd Carl do after... So, um, because the trial had garnered so much media attention, uh -huh. and because it actually did take place in Florida, Elena's body was put on a public display at a local funeral home Oof. where thousands of people came to view her. Can we leave this poor girl alone now? Mm -hmm. Why in Florida do they allow this? It's because I don't know. it's Florida. So for... Every weird thing happens in Florida. <laughs> and I was about to say that. Of course this happens in Florida. So Elena's family was from so Cuba. Nice state, though. She and some of her other family members had immigrated to the U.S. She was living in Florida when it happened. I think ideally her family would have liked for her corpse to come home, her body to come be buried with them. But, it I mean, she was, I guess, property of the state by this point? I don't know. But regardless, they put her body on display and a shit ton of people came to look at it. Just take away his key and put her back in the mausoleum. Exactly. Well, so... She was finally reburied in an unmarked grave so that she could rest in peace because they didn't want Carl to jack with her and they didn't want anybody to like, <laughs> they didn't want anybody else to come and like mess with her grave because people were bringing flowers, all this stuff. And it just seemed super disrespectful to me that this guy that she was not even romantically involved with absconds with her body plays house with it for a while and then people are on his fucking side they're yeah, like that's man insane. this is but so tragic and sad like people write songs there are songs about this like tragic love story about how he lost her so young and he was trying to bring her back to life this is fucking stupid and it makes me really mad once he was cleared 
he actually appealed the state and asked for Elena's body back, which was a pretty ba- ballsy request. Uh, yeah. I would say yes, but um, I mean, is the airship done yet? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so that was obviously denied. Oh. Um, and he lived the rest of his days without further incident. However. Oh. <laughs> Carl, still longing for his lost love had made, when she died, a forensic death mask, which was actually pretty common for that time frame, um, and used that mask and made a life-size dummy of her. Of course. Which he kept in his bed until his death in July of 1952. Some accounts of Carl's death claim that his body was actually found in the arms of the dummy, but that may just be a rumor. I doubt it. Yeah. After what we've heard. This is so Yeah, because that, that'd be super weird if that happened. <laughs> that right. would never be expected, ever. Yeah. Um, I found a lot of information. I mean, this this is everywhere, and there really are articles like that were recently written about this tragic love affair. Um, but the, Very one-sided, we might add. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Oh. Oh, I just can't. There's a really cool episode, like I said, of Autopsy on HBO that you guys should check out. I think it's like episode six of the first season or something. So um, look at that. He never divorced his wife. No. So, but he never went back to his house. Like he was always at the cottage with. He lived on his own until the day he died. Like yeah. you're saying anything about his kids? Um, I think his kids actually died pretty young. They may have died before Elena was even in the picture. The, um, hmm. the records are a little weird. I, there's something about diphtheria, maybe. So, who knows? Just imagining what his wife. Would you take of the him back thing. though? Like, no. think about that. Like no. that, and with L.A. Batman. Like, if you found out your husband had been living in an attic for ten years, that's like, a would little you bit more understandable. I think not but, sleeping next to a corpse. They have to slap a fresh coat of shellac on every night before they go to bed. That's like, so that's... creepy. Like, here, baby, I'll freshen you up. (laughs) Which I will, um, there are tons of pictures of Elena and and her body. um, All of which are very disturbing. She was so beautiful. Like, she was such a beautiful woman. Um, And everyone in her family said that she was just very vibrant and outgoing. And it really was a pity that she died so young. But the, the pictures of her doll form are really interesting. And she's set on, like, this... I mean, she looks like Juliet. You know what I mean? Like, she's got all these crazy flowers around her, and she's just very peaceful looking, so. I once described her as a Cuban nesting doll. That's <laughs> not inaccurate, so I like it. I like she she looks like a, a wider version of herself, like, from yeah. the pictures to the, like, mm-hmm. he's he's actually a pretty good. Uh, Mortician? Uh, plaster shaper. Taxidermist? We'll now, at, at, a, at a certain point, I think a lot of her was plaster of Paris. I mean, oh, yeah. especially yeah, with all the tissues sure. being gone. But, you know, I, he he did a pretty good job keeping true to her form, considering I don't think he was also an artist as well as a doctor and radiology technician, as far no. as I'm aware. Negative. That's but, it's so weird. But Carl Tanzer's a pretty deep dude. I don't know everything about him. Yeah. So. <laughs> he has a very colorful background. He wrote a memoir that I could not get my hands on. Surprisingly, the Greene County Library does not have one on file. Lame. Figure That's that out, sad. guys. Green <laughs> County Library, shout out. We actually love you because I get all my books from you. Trying to bury the story. I know. <laughs> <laughs> They're pro-Carl, apparently. Or anti-Carl because it's a it's his yeah, memoir. He wrote his own memoir. It's probably pretty positive, honestly. Yeah. He's, he's probably True. pretty into what he did. But, Especially after he's already forgiven for it. There's really no reason not to be like, no, this is a pretty sweet story. Let me tell you why. Forgiven or just found 
not, he wasn't even found not guilty. He just had passed the time limit. It literally on it. wasn't a thing. Yeah. Wasn't even a thing. All right, guys. Well, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this episode of Queen City Creeps and pretty much anything about the creepiness that is Carl Tanzler, let us know. Uh, we are on Facebook and Instagram, and you can always email us at queencitycreeps at gmail.com, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.